Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But a couple of things that we're going to see in this chapter, we're going to see some, there's really three verses that I, I just pulled out of the Bible that really kind of summarize this, this chapter, I believe. And the first one is Romans 8.28, because we're going to see uh, that um, God was going to use this issue with the Gibeonites, and he's going to work it out for the children of Israel's good. And so we know that Romans 8.28 is, we know that all things work together for the good. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in Joshua chapter 10. We learn today that Gibeon was a great city and that their men were mighty. If they surrendered to Israel, things were bad for the Canaanites. The Gibeonites did not submit to Israel out of a position of weakness. Yet it was because of their love and honor for the God of Israel that they surrendered to perpetual service to his tabernacle. As a result, we see that God's plan with Gibeon would eventually give a victory to Israel. And now let's join Pastor Rob in the book of Joshua chapter 10 and follow along with today's study. We are going to look at Joshua chapter 10 this evening. If you remember, the children of Israel uh, had come across the Jordan. The first city they conquered was Jericho. And uh, God provided them a great victory. And immediately on the heels of that, they, they go against the city next door, not too far away from Jericho, just a few miles uh, south, or north, I'm sorry, and northwest, I believe it is. And uh, without really consulting the Lord, the, the Israelites and Joshua, they, they just send a small contingent of, of their soldiers up there to Ai, expecting it to be easy. And they actually get chased down. And by God's grace, only 36 of those men of the Israelites lost their lives that day. And so they finally come back and, and they realized um, what they had done. And, and God had, and Joshua was just a mess. And he was really seeking the Lord because God had made promises to them that they were going to conquer that land and take over that land. And so you, naturally, when God gives a promise and you in, incur a setback like that, it's, it, it does cause you to uh, take stock and, and, and really examine your heart. And we know that it was because there was sin in the camp. Uh, Achan had stolen some of the goods uh, that they were supposed to be um, hallowed and um, supposed to be... Uh, uh, given to the the treasury in the the tabernacle for those elements, 
And you remember that uh, Achan and his family were put to death as, as a result of that. And then God gives them this wonderful plan of ambushing the inhabitants of Ai. And instead of hitting them head on or surrounding them or going around them like they did in Jericho, they ambushed them at night and, um, and they, they set up this uh, wonderful battle plan that God had given to them. And they're wonderfully victorious over that. And immediately on the heels of that, Instead of just continuing on going to into the central part of, of Canaan and then finally going south, which is what we're going to be getting into, they decide to stop and they, they went to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And in that valley between those two mountains, they have a worship service. They have uh, offerings and, uh, and they write a copy of the law on uh, very large stones um, with lime on them. And they, they inscribe in those stones a copy of the law. And it's after that that um, we come to this chapter 9, where as a result of Joshua's campaign and the children of Israel, they were going to continue now going toward the south. And, and it says in, in chapter 9 that the, the inhabitants, uh, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, they heard about what had happened to those cities of Jericho and Ai, and, and obviously they were very uh, frightful, they were very uh, scared, and they hatched a plan, uh, the men of Gibeon, and they decide to feign as if they were uh, from a long distance, and they come with all their clothes disheveled, and they come with moldy bread, and they, they feign as if they've had this long journey, and, and, and they claim to have come because they heard of their God, that they heard of Jehovah, and they wanted to be their servants. And so without really thinking too much of it, and honestly, if they would have thought about it, they would have seen a lot of inconsistencies because if they were going to send a contingent of uh, ambassadors, the ambassadors would do everything possible to bring enough supplies where they wouldn't be looking disheveled and all having this moldy bread and looking like they just you know, went through a, uh, a desert without any food. Um, they would have uh, planned more heavily and planned appropriately so that they could have a good impact on the places, you know, the, the children of Israel. But before, again, a hard lesson that the Israelites had to learn because instead of uh, approaching the Lord and asking him about this, they decide to just make this treaty with the Gibeonites. And these Gibeonites were exactly the peoples that God had told them that they were to destroy. You remember this, these people groups, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Peravites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. God in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18 says, when you go into those lands... I want you to wipe out everything. And, and again, that's hard for us because we, we don't like the idea of God going in and, and, and commanding that people be killed, women, children, everything. But these were a, an idolatrous people that had been getting away with this and continuing in this idolatrous worship for hundreds of years. And so there is a time when judgment has to fall. And so God uses the children of Israel as his hammer of judgment against those nations. And so... That, that is exactly what they were supposed to have done. But instead of consulting the Lord, they make this treaty. And now they're bound by this treaty. And then finally they realize that the Gibeonites had betrayed them when they were just you know, only several miles away from them, actually. They were the enemy. They were supposed to be vanquished. They were supposed to be destroyed. But now because of the treaty that Israel and Joshua had made with them, now they find themselves in a confederacy with them and now in a place where they have to protect them. 
because of their oath that they made, and they invoked the name of God in it. And so uh, we know enough about the Old Testament that uh, about vows. Whenever a vow was taken, especially in the name of the Lord, it had to be uh, followed through with. And Joshua, as a good leader that he was, he wasn't going to just uh, make his uh, vow convenient and, and say, well, we made the vow, but we really didn't mean it. And uh, we're gonna, instead, we're going to go against our word. No, Joshua was made of a different kind of material than many people are. Many people will go back on their word, but Joshua said, you know what? Because we made it in the name of the Lord, we are going to follow through with that. And you know, that's a really remarkable characteristic of any leader, is that any time that there is a, a problem, and, and, and it's something that is going to hurt him, if he goes back on his word, he would rather go and stay true to his word and be hurt than to go forward and make it convenient and somehow go back on his word. And so that's what we're dealing with. And so it's, it's an interesting thing because in Joshua chapter 9, we see the Gibeonites lying to the children of Israel. There was an American political leader named Adlai Stevenson who said this. He said, a lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in trouble. <laughs> it's an abomination, but it's a very present help in trouble. And have you been in a place where um, you've been in a lot of trouble, and all you had to do was lie, and it would have uh, gotten you out of the problem? Most of us lie because of that very reason. None of us wake up in the morning and desire to lie. We lie because it's convenient, and we lie because we don't want to deal with the pressure that we are under at the moment. We cave into the pressure, and instead of just holding true and staying true, we typically will tell a lie to get ourselves out of it. And that's exactly what the Gibeonites did. And we often will lie when we're under pressure and in a difficult spot. It doesn't make it right, but I'm just saying that that's exactly our nature, our old nature especially, that's what we do. But there were at least five lies that the Gibeonites had post or opposed to the children of Israel. Number one, they were from a far country. Number two, that their, uh, their food and their clothing... They, they lied about that, too, because they wore old things, making it look like they'd been on a long journey. They claimed that they were envoys on official business, and they really weren't. They called themselves the servants of Israelites, and they were really their enemies. And I really can't blame the Gibeonites, because honestly, if I was in their place, too, I probably would do the same thing. Because if I had to face death or to somehow forge some kind of lie to save my family in my own skin, I would be very tempted to do it, especially if it was just, um, if it didn't invoke the Lord, you know. And, 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 and they didn't know the Lord. They could care less about the Lord. But they did. They, they made themselves one with the Israelites. And, you know, history shows that the, the, the Gibeonites really didn't cause them any problems, really. You know, if you look throughout the Scripture, the Gibeonites were, were those who served the Israelites. And, and they did, and they did it faithfully. And we're going to look at that here shortly, briefly. But the problem of Israel, their downfall, is that they did not seek the Lord uh, in this instance. And everything seemed to make sense. But again, if they would have thought it through, they would have seen and sensed the lie. And they failed what it tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's the part. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. They did not lean upon God. Rather, they leaned on their own understanding, and they didn't trust in the Lord. They trusted in their own ideas, in their own ingenuity, in their own thoughts. And thus they made a pact with the enemy, the Gibeonites, that they, had been, that they were sworn uh, that they were supposed to get rid of. 
And they swore it to their own hurt. Look at with me. Um, let me just read to you something out of Psalm 15. And this is a Psalm of David, and it starts this way. It says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, and who may dwell in your holy hill? That is the question. And the answer David gives immediately following. He said, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his brother, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. And here it is, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. And see, that's what the Israelites did. They made a covenant with the Gibeonites. And instead of going back on it, they swore, they made a covenant, and it was to their own hurt. Because it wasn't God's perfect will that they did this. God in his wonderful majesty and his wonderful grace worked it out to where the Gibeonites would actually serve them. But that wasn't his best, that wasn't his perfect will. That was something that as a result of that, he allowed in his permissive will for them to continue on and have this kind of pact with the Gibeonites. And we're going to see later, as soon as we get into chapter 10 here, that it actually worked out to the furtherance of the victory of Joshua. And again, God could have done a greater victory had they not made this poor decision. Because we can never take a poor decision and say, well, God is just a God of grace. He's going to work it out. Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We like to throw that up in the air and expect God to fix all of our mistakes. Well, sometimes he does. Sometimes he does take our mistakes and make them into something beautiful. But sometimes he allows the mistake to bring bitterness, and and there's a bitter pill attached with disobedience often. And we have to go through that because that's how we learn. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And this is exactly what they they were doing. They made this pact with an unbelieving group of people, the Hivites, that they were supposed to destroy. Do you understand? And here's the problem. Even though, historically, the Gibeonites really didn't pose any real problems for the children of Israel, what it did was set a precedent. Because now they have this relationship with this native uh, 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 people group in the land of Canaan that they were supposed to destroy. And later on, it's going to be that much easier for them to go, you know what, it's not so big of a deal if we let some of these people live. After all, look at the Gibeonites. They're, they're woodcutters and they're fetchers of water. Why can't we just have some of these other guys do some other things? And next thing you know, the enemy's not really so much the enemy anymore. They're kind of like, well, they're, they're nice acquaintances, you know. I mean, they got kids too. I mean, what's the problem? And see, the problem is, is they, didn't, they weren't obedient to God. See, with our human reasoning, we, we tend to think one way, and God's thoughts and his ways are way higher than our thoughts and our ways. Isn't that what it says in Isaiah 55? His ways are way beyond our ways. His thoughts are way beyond our thoughts. And when God says to do something, it's really not for us to, make, um, um, to challenge that. And I think the longer we wait, the longer we wait in obedience, it's going to be that much harder because we we tend to run it through our minds and we tend to think that we're more gracious and more loving and more compassionate than even God is. And see, we don't understand the heart of man. We don't even understand our own heart. Do you understand your heart completely? I know I don't. I'm often surprised at my heart, the mistakes that I make, how easy it is for me to betray, trust, Even though I have it in my heart to do it, I want to do it, and yet you find yourself sometimes just hurting someone by accident or being careless. These things, unfortunately, they happen. 
But in Nehemiah, after the Israelites had uh, many hundreds of years yet into the future, remember when they went into Babylon, many of them, after the 70-year captivity, they came out of Babylon, and there were 95 sons of Gibeon that came back from Babylon that wanted to come back to Jerusalem, and they were still with the Israelites. They still wanted to serve them. And some of the Gibeonites, some believe that there, there's a group called the Nethanim. And the Nethanim, you'll, you'll see them come up in Scripture in First Chronicles chapter 9, verse 2. You'll see them in Ezra uh, chapter 2. Um, you'll also see them in Ezra chapter 8. And these people, these Nethanim, the, the, the singular is Nathun. And these, are, these literally mean one who is given. And these are basically slaves, temple slaves, assigned to the Levites and the priests for service in the sanctuary. And so there were these Nethanims, and some believe that the Nethanims were actually Gibeonites. And there's really not a whole lot to prove that, but it's very possible because um, David, will, you know, you'll see as, you, as we get on further, he, he, he employs the Nethanims, and they were servants to the Levites. So it, it very could be that these men were from the tribe or from the, um, the family group of Gibeon, and it's further proof that they weren't really a parasite, really, to Israel, but rather a, a, a help to them. Uh, again, we don't see any problem after that that the Gibeonites cause them other than setting a precedent. <laughs> precedent is so important, is it? Because once you do one thing, it's easy to justify it again. And it's easy to justify it again. And pretty soon, if you don't put... And see, that's the whole idea behind what God says. Because if we just follow him specifically and obediently, there won't be any of these gray areas and these meandering paths that we find ourselves in. Obedience is so critical to our walk with Jesus, to our walk with the Lord. Obedience. We must learn that. It's, it's, and it's, a, it's something that we've got to... We've got to dig down deep in our heart and say, God, help me to be obedient. Because in my flesh, I'm weak, but you are strong. God, help me to be obedient. Because when, the more I'm obedient to the word of God, the less hurt I'm going to incur on myself and those that I love around me. The more obedient I am, the closer I'm going to be to Jesus. The more obedient I am, the greater the witness to those around me. We're going to get into Joshua chapter 10 now. And uh, because it's a long chapter, we're just going to read it, and, and I'm just going to get right into it as we go along. But a couple of things that we're going to see in this chapter, we're going to see some, there's really three verses that I, I just pulled out of the Bible that really kind of summarize this, this chapter, I believe. And the first one is Romans 8.28, because we're going to see uh, that um, God was going to use this issue with the Gibeonites, and he's going to work it out for the children of Israel's good. And so we know that Romans 8.28 is, we know that all things work together for the good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That's something certainly we're going to see in this chapter tonight. And also in Second Chronicles chapter 16, this is a wonderful verse too. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And certainly, Joshua's heart was loyal to the Lord. He loved the Lord. Remember, it was Joshua and Caleb 40 years earlier than what we're looking at tonight when they were in Kadesh Barnea and, 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 and they were going to send spies into the land. Remember, the 12 spies went in and, and 10 came back with an evil report, but only Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report. Right, Caleb? There was two men that came and they brought a good report. And now Joshua, 
Caleb and Joshua. Now Joshua, now the leader of Israel. Now he's going in, and, and he is going to be a, a really wonderful man, and he's a wonderful leader. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have his flaws and mistakes. There's not a leader or a person on the planet who is without flaw. You know, and in our hearts, we, we, we have it, you know, in our heart. And it's a good thing because we desire truth. We desire righteousness. We desire perfection. And God has placed that in you. Because one day we are going to see Jesus. We're going to see God face to face. And there's a longing in your heart. If you're a Christian, you long for that time to be with him. And it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And sometimes it breaks our heart when we don't see sometimes the, that, that kind of witness here on the earth consistently. It hurts, doesn't it? When, when somebody lets you down, when, maybe when there's a president. There could be any number of presidents that we've had throughout history, and everybody's looked to a president of the United States, whoever he may have been through history, and they all had hopes. But every man, every man, every woman has a chink in their armor. Every man has issues. Every woman has issues. We can't escape it. Unfortunately, we're just so inconsistent. We're not fallible, or we are fallible, I'm sorry. We like to be infallible, but there's only one. There's only one. In Job chapter 34, I love this too. Job, speaking um, of the Lord, he says in verse 21 of chapter 34, he says, For his eyes, God's eyes, they're on the ways of man and sees all his steps. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. And we're going to see that tonight as we read chapter 10, so just kind of tuck this away. For he need not further consider a man that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry and sets others in their place. Therefore, he knows their works. And here it is. He overthrows them in the night. And this is exactly what happened to the, 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 the people group, or the, the town, the, the city of Ai. And we're going to see tonight that that's going to be the same thing that's going to happen to some of these other towns as well. He overthrows them in the night, and they are crushed. So let's get right into chapter 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, Heard how Joshua, you might want to underline that word Jerusalem right now in your Bible because we're going to come back to that. Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, how he heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it. And he had done, uh, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king. And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all its men were mighty. So Adonai Zedek we can see is this king of Israel. And this is uh, the first time, the first mention of, the, of, of, of Jerusalem in the scripture. Now the name Jerusalem. This is the first time you see the word Jerusalem in the Bible. <laughs> However... We know that, um, we'll, we'll get to that. But this was a, Gibeon was a royal city. It was one of the biggest, one of the bigger cities. It was a beachhead, if you will, in the center of Canaan. That would, that would basically be like a, 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 the middle section between the north and the south. And of course, Joshua and the children of Israel have come from the west into the east now, and they've already conquered these central cities. Now they're making their campaign now toward the south. And um, 
And but Adonai Zedek is this man. He's the king of Jerusalem at this time. His name means my Lord is righteous or Lord of justice is his name. And notice that it's the first time we hear the word Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is mentioned, of course, uh, in in Genesis chapter 14. Remember, after Abraham and his servants... They returned from defeating Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him. This is when they took... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.